Our kids are the happiest, most grateful kids that I've ever met, like just super, super smart and just so resilient. I mean, after everything they've been through to be able to to still have a good, healthy mindset and a positive outlook on life is like, man, like if they were able to go through that and still have that, like imagine what they're going to be able to really do, you know? Welcome everyone to Do Well and Do Good. You're here because you have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful, positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. I'm your host, Dorothy Ilson, and I'm here to help you discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 48. I am thrilled that you are here. And before I tell you all about my guest today, if you're not already following me on Instagram, that is the place to be. It's where you can keep up with what's going on with the show, as well as get a peek into my own entrepreneurial journey. You can find me at Dorothy Ilson. That's D-O-R-O-T-H-Y-I-L-L-S-O-N. Today's guest is Larry Tucker. Larry is the co-founder and vice president of International Network of Hearts in Mexico. He's also co-owner of a Nutrimart supplement store in San Diego, and he's a real estate redeveloper. But what Larry truly excels at better than almost anyone is investing in people and their futures. Whether it's finding someone their perfect home, educating them on how to be healthier and happier, or saving, loving, and rehabilitating children who are victims of human trafficking, Every action this man takes is 100% focused towards loving and helping those around him to discover the happiness and joy they truly deserve in life. And that is why I'm so excited to have him on the show with us today. Larry, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Dorothy. It's a pleasure to be here. So set the stage for us. Larry, what was life like for you growing up? And how did you get started on this path that led you to real estate and business ownership? Uh, life growing up, my parents, uh, the reason I got involved in into the whole human trafficking thing and everything, my, my dad was an orphan himself. So when my brother and I were growing up, it was always important for him and for my parents to take us down to serve orphanages just across the border. We live in San Diego, California. So obviously right on the border of Tijuana, Mexico. And that was always something that was important for my parents was to instill in my brother and I just that whole giving back mentality and to uh, serve others, the less fortunate. So we would take a lot of trips down to Mexico to uh, make Christmas happen for different orphanages, things like that. Uh, then I went to kind of like a different type of high school called High Tech High, which was a public charter school. And it was like a lot of project-based learning and group projects, things like that. So actually my junior year in high school, I did an internship for a church out here called The Rock Church and uh, started a ministry for orphans at that church. And then actually my senior project in high school was ambitiously to start an orphanage, which I wasn't able to complete it in my senior year, but I was able to lay some of the groundwork for what we later opened up with International Network of Hearts. So that's kind of what got me started on that whole process of getting involved in that. My mom also had a lot of years of experience working for the Mexican consulate, working with victims then that were trafficked. And this was like 15 years ago before it was really a topic that people were aware about. So eight years ago, we finally founded International Network of Hearts, which when we first started was mostly awareness, doing a lot of educational awareness and prevention for human trafficking at different schools and things like that. Then we were like, hey, you know what? when we would start taking some of these kids in, 
and we would try to connect them to rehabilitation centers or homes where they could receive healing and services that they needed after these traumas. We found out that there weren't any. So after that, we're like, dang, like the, the need was so great there that it was six years ago that we were able to actually open up the first home here in Rosarito, Mexico for girls that were victims of human trafficking. And then just eight months ago, we opened up the first home that specifically is for boys in all of Mexico. So our homes are like full services where we have a team of psychologists, doctors, lawyers, therapists for the kids, uh, homeschooling programs and uh, transition programs once they turn 18 to reintegrate them back into society to continue their education through college and working and stuff like that. That's kind of like on the international network of heart side of everything. And then as far as real estate goes, uh, in college, I went to Point Nazarene University. I took a real estate course there. And I was super lucky enough that the professor was like a multimillionaire real estate developer that was local to the area. And uh, I just felt super lucky to be in his class because this was somebody who had made millions and millions of dollars in real estate. And so he was the one that really made me feel like I could actually get into real estate investing and kind of coached me through my first deal. And uh, after that, just kind of learning through just making good partnerships with people. I still keep in contact with him, but he was the one that really got me motivated into starting in real estate. Then just kind of learning as you go, you know, making all kinds of mistakes along the way, but, but definitely learning little by little. <laughs> Well, it's just amazing how International Network of Hearts is clearly the culmination of a lifelong dream of yours. It really is. Yeah. And everything goes back to that. So like earlier um, this year, a couple of years ago, I joined a mastermind called Thrive, which is where I first kind of started getting into this whole entrepreneurship thing. And they taught us about four purpose businesses, which is something that we've been talking about a lot lately. So for me, it's like, when we first started the nonprofit, it was hard to go through so many years of like, man, how are we going to pay the bills? Like it's expensive to be able to take care of 25 kids and provide all these services. There was a lot of months where we're like, how are we going to make it next month? You know, we, when we were very, very lowly funded, a lot of it was just coming from us. So I saw that that nonprofit model was just a very broken model. And so that's why I was really grateful to be learning about like, hey, you know, you can build a business that you can scale and make that for purpose to tie back into giving to whatever you want to do to make an impact. And you can just grow your impact so much more that way. Absolutely. And I mean, any regular listeners of the show definitely have, have heard this term for purpose before. And for anyone who's new, it, it really is this perfect blend of nonprofit and for-profit where, you know, obviously nonprofits, they have a funding issue. So, you know, why not start a for-profit business and then just really put giving as a fundamental part of the business model so that, you know, for every dollar that you're making, some of that is being funneled towards helping people and, and making the world a better place, which is, like you said, I mean, it's a fix to a broken system. Absolutely. So I think that's going to be what the next wave of entrepreneurs are just going to be able to do some pretty amazing stuff, really scale our impacts and hopefully work together to, to solve some big issues in the world, I think. So, yeah. Absolutely. So how did you first get International Network of Hearts off the ground? You know, obviously, this was a massive goal to open up physical locations, your know, homes for these children. Where did you even start? We first started, like I said, when we first founded the nonprofit, it was in San Diego. And in the beginning, we were doing mostly awareness and prevention, educational stuff at local universities and things like that, just to educate people about what human trafficking even was. Because here in San Diego, I mean, here in the States, 
a lot of people want to just brush it under the rug. Now it's becoming more of a popular topic where people are starting to talk about it. But eight years ago, it was a very taboo subject that nobody wanted to talk about and just kind of everybody wanted to sweep under the rug and pretend like it wasn't something that we were dealing with here. So in the beginning, it was a lot of just educating people about, hey, this is the reality of what's going on. You know, there truly is more people in slavery today than there ever was in the history of the world. And it's like, you know, showing people kind of that and some of those statistics things like that, just to get them to understand the severity of the issue. And then it wasn't until a couple of years after that, that we were able to build some good partnerships with local churches that started to donate financially to us and some different private donations that were starting to come in where we were able to finally get the first home up and running. But we've been through so many crazy ups and downs. It's crazy. But in Mexico, basically what they have is if like a drug cartel or somebody like that gets put in jail, their assets get seized. And that also is property and homes. So if it's been a certain amount of years, like 10 years that these properties are vacant, it doesn't look like they're getting them back. They have programs where they will actually rent those to nonprofit organizations or orphanages like us at a low, at a reduced rent to allow us to use those homes. So we got into one of those homes at a very low monthly rent, but a lot of the times these homes are just shells. Like there's everything's been stolen, all the piping, plumbing, everything is just walls. So we were able to raise some money and, and um, get a fourplex is what it was. It was four units remodeled and everything to where we were able to finally open up the first home there. But it's crazy. Like six months later, after the original owner saw what had been done to it, they filed like a court case to try to prove that they weren't involved in the illegal aspects of that home. So that home actually got taken away from us. We got kicked out of it right after we, we had remodeled it and had to get into a different one. So there's been tons of challenges like that. But that was initially how we kind of started it and got it off the ground was just building partnerships with local churches, other people that wanted to get involved and uh, just people that wanted to make a difference. How old are the kids who are living in these homes? Our youngest is four years old and our oldest is 18. Wow. Okay. So (laughs) to hear that a four-year-old, it's just... We've received as young as, yeah, two years old, like literally where some of these kids have been abused as early as one or two years old. Like, I mean, unbelievable. How are you being connected with these kids? You know, they're, uh, how are they gotten out of this situation and, you know, coming into your world to start to get the care and, and rehabilitation they need? There's several different ways that we get connected with kids. Thankfully, we've we've been doing this for eight years and we've built a lot of really good relationships in our communities, both in San Diego and in Tijuana. So building relationships with like local law enforcement, district attorney's offices, things like that. We also have a hotline where people could actually call in to report like suspicious activity and things like that. In Mexico, a lot of people, a lot of times people don't trust the local law enforcement. So they'd actually prefer to call us to like to report some sort of suspicious activity. And then we will actually work with local law enforcement to coordinate an investigation to see if something's going on. And if they find out that there is a child going through some sort of abuse, then they'll perform a rescue operation. And then after the child's rescued, then we're the home that that child goes to. So that's one way. Another way is just DEEF, which is like the Child Protective Services of Mexico. There's tons of kids in there. And Kids end up in there for all kinds of reasons. It could be abandonment, uh, orphans, like neglection from the parents. It could be that the parents like were going through like drug addictions and the kids were taken away from them. This is a place where a lot of these kids end up. And when they're being interviewed and like looked after and if any sort of abuse signs come up and it's like they, they can actually tell that the kid's been abused, then they reach out to us and that child will automatically be connected to us. 
there's other ways. For example, we had one girl who, when she was only 15 years old, made a Facebook profile, got online, and uh, like this 35-year-old man got connected with her somehow. And this is a girl that was like, she was a little bit overweight. She never really got a lot of attention. And her mom works 15 hours a day in a factory and she has no dad, so she's home alone all day. And this man's kind of telling her like, hey, you know, you're so beautiful, this and that. And for her, it's the first time she's receiving this sort of attention from a man. And he built a relationship with her online, convinced her to like basically become like his girlfriend, convinced her to meet up with him, basically convinced her, almost like made her fall in love with him. And then basically started telling her like, hey, if you love me, then, you know, you'll you'll have sex with me. And then it's, and it's also like, oh, you'll have sex with like my friend that's going to come over. And that turned into like, this guy was literally bringing men into her own mom's home to to rape her and then he was making the money off of that so when the a neighbor saw that there was something weird going on she told the mom and when the mom went through the computer found everything that was going on she actually reached out to local law enforcement and they actually connected us with them because the mom wanted the daughter to be in our program because she knew that she wasn't gonna when she found out that there was a program like ours she really wanted her daughter to be in our home because she knew she wasn't going to get the level of care and everything that she needed if it wasn't for that you know a lot of times the parents and stuff can't afford everything that we provide as far as like the doctors lawyers the therapists and all those things so the mom got connected with us and wanted her to to be in our care then there's other nonprofits that are awesome like operation underground railroad which performs rescue operations sometimes we'll get connected with kids that come through them. So there's a few different ways uh, that we're able to get kids, but those are some of them. I do think that what you said about awareness is definitely true, that it seems like more and more people are starting to understand the scale of this problem and the fact that it happens right here in our own backyards to such a large degree. You know, it's not just in other countries, you know, faraway places. I mean, this is happening right here. And even just through you know, hosting this podcast. I've had definitely, you know, more guests that focus on human trafficking than any other singular issue. You know, even our episode next week is with a woman who does some of this work with kids in Ethiopia. And so I think the awareness thing is so important, but you know, also the the fact that, you know, you were able to transition this from just you know, awareness and prevention, which is obviously such a critical first step to actually being able to provide a home for these children is beyond inspiring. So I'm curious, Larry, how has the success that you've had in your career as an entrepreneur really fed your ability to do this work that you're doing with International Network of Hearts? Definitely. That's been a huge, huge part of it because for a lot of years, I mean, this is literally an organization that was started by my parents and I and my brother. So it was like, it was literally just us in the beginning. There wasn't a lot of support in the beginning. And we had gotten our organization to a pretty decent level, just kind of on our own, not re- with not tons of experience, not much of a budget, really, you know, just kind of doing our best. And um, it wasn't until actually two years ago when I joined that Thrive Mastermind and really started to get connected with other high-level entrepreneurs that were wanting to make a difference in the world and everything like that, that I, we were really able to like 10x and really grow the vision for, for what we're doing with the nonprofit. So obviously, if being much uh, donations financially and everything like that, we're super limited in the level of care and the, and the amount of kids that we're able to serve. That's why for me, it was frustrating being younger when this whole thing started. It was like, man, fundraisers where, you know, we wouldn't really collect hardly any money. And it was like, dang, like, we're just trying to help all these kids. Like, how come there aren't more people that are, that are willing to help 
this and that, which you can't expect other people. Like if this is issue that you want to take on, then you ha- really have to take responsibility, I think, for that and and uh, take action towards bringing in more funds and things like that. But anyways, I just thought like, okay, so how can I go do better in business to fund this, right? So basically, that's when I got into starting into real estate investing two years ago as well was when I first started redeveloping real estate, which a percentage of everything that the real estate business makes goes directly to the nonprofit. And then also through the nutrition store, a percentage of what we make there goes to the nonprofit. So those funds have obviously allowed us to be able to expand our services, provide a better level of care, hire more employees, and be able to take on more children. Then also masterminds and like power association has been like huge, huge, huge for me. Like I never really realized the importance of that. And it wasn't until I started getting involved in that a couple of years ago that it's just like, sometimes you struggle so hard to try to do this fundraiser to like raise a thousand bucks, but then you just join a mastermind, you meet these other high level people that are, that are making a bunch of money, but, and want to make an impact, but sometimes don't know how, or don't know who to trust. So it's been really cool to be able to make those relationships where it's been like, that's taken us to a whole nother level. Like now there's been like at least six, six or seven people in that mastermind that have started donating like a percentage of their sales to make their businesses for purpose to start donating to us. And then people that have just in that mastermind started making like donations. So that really, really allowed us to now take our vision to the next level. Like before this was just like, okay, the vision was one home, but that's it. Now the vision is like, what we're trying to do this year is buy land to be able to, we're actually going to develop like a, it's almost like a sustainable village where we'll be able to take on up to a hundred kids, boys and girls, have a school, have a church, the transition home for the older kids. And then also like sustainable aquaponic farming for like fruits and vegetables and livestock. So I want to make this like as low cost as possible to where we're like providing our own food, like solar power, that whole thing, like as low, low cost as possible, because the goal is once we have this model uh, that's successfully built out, we want to be able to replicate this model in a bunch of other areas of the world. So we're just really focusing hard on trying to get the, uh, the rehabilitation model done and systematized and everything like that with success so that we can really scale it all across the world. And I really want it. The whole entrepreneurship aspect of that, because our kids are amazing. Like our kids are, you would, some people expect to like come to the home and see like sad kids or whatever. And it's the total opposite. Like our kids are the happiest, most grateful kids that I've ever met. Like just super, super smart and just so resilient. I mean, after everything they've been through to be able to, to still have a good, healthy mindset and a positive outlook on life is like, man, like, if they were able to go through that and still have that, like imagine what they're going to be able to really do, you know? So I really want to involve uh, with some of the different people that are getting involved, involve a f- entrepreneurship aspect to that, to teach these kids skills that they'll be able to develop and to create into businesses and things like that. So definitely just like the whole thing, as far as like the business and everything in entrepreneurship has just grown the vision tremendously with what we're going to be able to do. I mean, really, it's all about leverage, right? I mean, you talked about joining this mastermind, and I know that that mastermind—it's—it's it's not a small investment to be a part of that. And you know, one could think, well, gosh, shouldn't that money be be going directly into your nonprofit? But no, if you invest that money in yourself and in your own growth and in being able to surround yourself with these people, well, now you're able to bring in so much more to help these children than you ever would have been able to otherwise. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Definitely. Tell me more about you know, this, this whole idea of investing in yourself, investing in your own personal development and growth. How does that fit into you know, your life as an entrepreneur and really just as a human being? 
the first time I ever made an investment in myself was, was truly that Thrive Mastermind two years ago. That was the first time that I ever like actually invested a, a pretty good amount of money into something that, that I wasn't like buying something tangible. This was like, okay, I'm going to invest in myself and my own personal development. And I had first gone to this event three years ago, but at that time when they, and they don't really like pitch you the mastermind hard. It's just like, Hey, this is an option that you have to join if you'd like. Cool. If not, no worries. And I knew that I wanted to be a part of this mastermind that three years ago. And I was like, man, I, I totally want to do this. But at the time I couldn't afford it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to really try to make enough money in this next year to be able to join it next year. So that's what my plan was. And that's what I was able to do. So I was able to do well enough in real estate and through Nutramart to be able to make that investment. And it was scary at first. It's like, dang, like that mastermind is like, is like, it depends. It's around $20,000 and you can join it with a business partner. So it's like, that's a, that's a big amount of money to just like invest into something like that. At first it was really scary. And it was like, man, like, you know, who, who knows, you know, people around me, like my friends are like, dude, you're freaking stupid or whatever, you know, like that's ridiculous. Like that's like way too much and this and that. And looking back on it now, it's by far the best investment I've ever made. Like the return that I've gotten on that, not only like, sure, obviously they teach you some things and you, and you learn how to scale your business and some other things that are, that help you run your business maybe more efficiently. But for me, it's just been an infinite return through the relationships that I've been able to build in those masterminds. So just getting, cause it's not every day that you're able to get into a room and surround yourself with high level entrepreneurs that are all doing well in business and also wanting to make an effort to make the world a better place and create a positive impact. And everyone you meet in a group like this is just wanting to help each other out and collaborate to see how they can help you. And the types of people you meet, I mean, it's just like shortcutting years and years and years and years of experience in any industry. Like you meet people in real estate, in, you know, marketing, in social media type stuff. And instead of spending all these years trying to, you know, work your way up to meet these people and developing these relationships, it's like a shortcut right to the top to be able to just meet somebody who's leading the industry in, in this topic or that topic. I, I just believe it's like, it's truly like a massive shortcut to just be able to if, if you show up as a genuine person who's wanting to come and add value to others and um, just be a good friend to people and bring good energy, then it's just, it's crazy what it can bring for you. I mean, for me, it's brought tons of, like, it's brought way more than I've invested in donations to International Network of Hearts, which I'm happy with. Like, that's for me, like, that's, I'm already super stoked about that. And then on top of that, just experiences, you know, through the people I've met there, we've taken trips all over the place and been able to just have pretty amazing experiences that I absolutely never would have gotten if it wasn't for that. Right. And no, exactly. And you and I were just talking before we turned on the recording about this mastermind event that we will both be at in Thailand um, in March. And, and that event is, I believe, benefiting International Network of Hearts. Is that right? That's absolutely right. Yeah. And I would have never gotten that opportunity if it wasn't for joining the Thrive Mastermind because that's how I met Travis Chapel, who's who run, who's the person that runs that mastermind and is going to do that trip. It's like, I would have never made that relationship. And it's true what you said, like it's going to, part of it is going to benefit International Network of Parts, which is just like mind blowing to me now. It's like sitting back and thinking like none of those things would have happened if it wasn't for initially taking that first step and taking that risk or whatever of investing in yourself. Absolutely. Well, so let's dive a little bit into real estate because I know this has been a, a big part of, of your success and what's allowed you to continue to do this. What is it about real estate that really gets you excited? Why is real estate development something that, that you're passionate about? Yeah. So for me, real estate development is 
I mean, obviously my passion, everything comes back to like what we do with the kids. Real estate is like a means to be able to create income for that, but it's still a lot of fun for me. Like, again, for me at all, like the only reason why I've been able to have success in business and with what we're doing is a hundred percent purely because of relationships and the people that I've been able to meet because it's like, there's nothing like I, it's, I never did great in school. Like I was never, I was never good at that sort of thing. But as far as befriending people, I mean, I can become friends and, and exchange great energy with anybody, which that's how I first got started in real estate is because like I said, my real estate professor had kind of coached us and told us, okay, this is what you need to do. My first real estate deal came from one of my customers at my shop because I, my real estate professor was like, Hey, the person that you want to buy a home from is like, like somebody in your network so that you can get something off market and not pay all these fees, this and that. So I just started talking to people at my shop. I was like, somebody's got to be selling a home here, this and that befriended this older lady who had been living in her home for like 20 years, had a lot of equity. And I was able to make a good, she wanted to give me a good deal just because she really liked me. And that's how I was able to get into my first deal. I got a great price on that. Since then, I've done about six real estate redevelopment projects, mostly cosmetic stuff. But it's been so cool to see like the transformation of like you go in and see like a super beat up house and not, any, and not everybody can go into a home like that and be able to see the potential of what it could be. You know, everybody just sees it for what it is and it's like, oh, what an ugly house, this and that. And now it's like the more beat up, the more dog pee that's on the carpet, the more excited I get about <laughs> it because I'm like, okay, I could get a better price for this and I could see what this could become then being able to sell that property and see a family that moves in because they're and they're super excited to be moving into a beautiful home and everything like that. It's like just seeing what you can do to take something that maybe somebody would have overlooked or kind of looked at as like to junk and then turn it into something beautiful is like, I don't know, that that's what's been super one of the things that's been really gratifying to me and just being able to to know that anybody can do something like this, you know, as long as you're willing to put the time and energy and work into it. It's like it's not rocket science doesn't take anything super extraordinary or anything like that. And you learn as you go, but it's cool to be able to play a part in that and see those transformations. Now, it's, it's something that I'm absolutely fascinated by and have learned a lot more about, um, especially recently, um, not so much development, but um, buy and hold real estate investing. And so that's one of my big goals for this year is to um, save to invest in my first property. And so I'm curious, you know, for anyone who's listening, who might be interested in real estate, what are your best tips for getting started for you know, learning how to do this? Um, my best tip for getting started to learn how to do it. There's a lot of really good courses out there that will give you like a really good, like actually the Cole Hatter, who's the guy that runs the Thrive Mastermind has a real estate course online. That's a digital course. That's a good one. There's tons of other ones, but I, I, w- I would recommend getting like at least some sort of a digital course on a broad education on real estate investing and stuff like that, just so you get familiar with some of the terms, because there's a lot of real estate lingo and terms and acronyms that are used. So just to be able to like learn that real estate language and have a decent understanding about what the process is like to buy, fix up and sell a home, you're never going to learn everything there is to know before you get started. Like you're always going to have to get started before you feel like you're ready and you're comfortable. So that's another thing is a lot, a lot, a lot of people that I've seen get just stuck in like this whole like analysis paralysis phase where, you know, you can take in so much information, but it's no good if you're not taking action on it. And there's a lot of people that are too scared to take that first step because they don't feel like they know absolutely everything. So I'd say number one, being okay with the fact that you're not going to know absolutely everything before you get started. You're just going to have to take a chance on yourself and you're going to learn 
as you go um, because you're never going to expect all the things that could go wrong. I mean, you get into a real estate deal, you have a budget for a rehab, rehab and you're always going to end up spending a little bit more, taking a little bit longer than you thought. Something's going to come up and you're never going to be prepared for those situations. But just to be able to separate the emotional aspect from like the business standpoint is like you can't get emotional. You can't get too hot headed. Like you have to be able to just stay calm, you know, realize that these are issues that you can definitely solve and overcome. But yeah, I mean, like I said, my biggest tips would definitely be just getting some sort of a broad educational digital course just to start to understand some things and then just getting started like just go for it like especially in the beginning the beginning super excited exciting for me it was because in the beginning I had nothing so that's awesome because that means you have nothing to lose like just go out there and like anything you do is going to be a step ahead of where you're at so for me that was that was exciting and liberating it's like just go out there just get started you're going to make mistakes but it's, it's okay you know that's how that's how you learn uh, and then just definitely as far as what the biggest, biggest, biggest thing is just talk to everybody. Like for me, the way that I've gotten all my real estate deals, literally all of my real estate deals, all of the contractors and people that have helped me do the work. And I would say like five out of six of the people that actually purchased the home, all of those people were people that I built relationships with and people that were in my network. So definitely number one is like always networking, like always befriending people, always being nice to absolutely everybody that you can be nice to and just developing relationships with people and following up on those things. Like my, my supplement store is right in the middle of where I invest in real estate so that I've been able to really leverage that because through that store, I've been able to make relationships with like, I have like 15 real estate agent friends that I've met through the store. So now when I have a property coming to market, I can reach out to that network of friends and say, Hey guys, I have a property that's going to be coming up if you're interested. And things like that are just when you build that trust and relationships with people, it's just, you don't have to go market the property as hard and everything like that. And a lot of times the property sold before it even hits the market. So definitely just relationships, number one, and just being nice to everyone, being a good friend to people for sure. And then similarly, I mean, someone who does have a vision for how they want to help the world, you know, like you did with International Network of Hearts, for someone who does want to start a nonprofit, what are the first steps? You know, what what advice would you give someone as they head into that? For somebody that wants to start a nonprofit, what kind of advice? Well, number one, definitely that like like Cole Hatter says this too, like nonprofits are very non-profitable. So to realize that, that it's not something that's going to be bringing in all kinds of money and, and to have a plan for that, because we kind of just got started and didn't like learned and figured out a lot as we went along. But having a plan for like, okay, how are you, like, what is the problem that you're wanting to solve? what types of relationships or strategic partnerships can you create to like shortcut your way to being a successful nonprofit, like who are some leaders in the industry? Like, for example, for me, there's some people that it's kind of lame, but there's some people that I've seen where like they don't want to partner with other nonprofits or they're kind of like, oh, if we're going after the same issue, like it's almost like a competition type of thing. And I, I think it should be the complete opposite. Like for me, it's I'm super excited to meet other people that are that are trying to go after the same issue, like ending human trafficking, because I know that it's not an issue that I'm going to be able to solve on my own. It's not an issue that's going to be solved by one person. I mean, the only way that an issue like this gets solved is by everybody coming coming together to collaborate, to work together. So for me, it's just like, you know, who are some of the leaders in, in that industry that you could partner with to see how you could add value to them? 
And like, what gap can you fill as like starting your, your new nonprofit? Like if you're wanting to get into trafficking, be like, okay, who's doing great at the awareness and the prevention and the rehabilitation. And like, how can I build relationships with them and see what they need to be able to work together on this? And I think that'll just up level you so much quicker because those people will want to introduce you to their relationships and will want to help you as opposed to you trying to do this on your own. I mean, it's going to be trying to build relationships with as many people as you can to collaborate on something like that. Well, Larry, thank you so much for everything that you've shared with me today. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. So I'd love to move into the impact round. So this is where I'm going to ask you a few short questions. And I'd love for you to respond just with the first answer that pops into your head. You ready? Yep. One word. Um, it doesn't have to be one. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Who has been the most impactful person in your journey to do well and achieve financial success? Ooh, the most impactful person for me has been my mom for sure. Then who has been the most impactful person in feeding your drive to do good and really make an impact? Right now, it's my friends that I've been surrounded by in my mastermind. So like seeing other people that are, that are making a huge impact, like Cole Hatter, for example, he was like a big person that motivated me into trying to get to a level like that. I will say the Thrive Conference is coming up in May in Las Vegas. I'll be there. I'm sure you'll be there, right? Yep, for sure. Awesome. So definitely, if you're listening, check that out because it's such an amazing few days to surround yourself with people just like Larry who you know not only care about you know creating success for themselves and, and having a life that they're really excited about, but who want to do it while making such a massive impact for other people and knowing that they are, are leaving a legacy and, and really making the world better than they found it. So back to the impact round. Larry, when you're having a bad day, what do you do to get yourself out of the funk? Do you have any sort of personal development practices that you lean on? Uh, I do lately. I've been doing a lot of hot yoga. That's been my thing. So oh, nice. Yeah, hot yoga has been an awesome way for me to just like it's one of the few hours of my day where there's no cell phone, nothing like that, just pure meditation. And and yeah, that's been a really good escape for me. Or uh, also um, sensory deprivation tanks have been really good too. Oh, I've done that before. That's super cool. Could you give a brief description of what that is for anyone who's not familiar? Yeah. So they call it sensory deprivation tanks or float tanks. Basically, um, it's almost like the one, they have two different ones. One of them is like a pod that you go into. The one I've done is almost like a little room that's probably about six feet wide, maybe nine feet long, and then like two feet deep. And it's two feet deep of water with like 800 pounds of magnesium sulfate, which causes you to float. It's very buoyant. So you get in the water, you float all the way to the top. Um, and the water is the same temperature as your internal body temperature. So after a little while, you're in here for anywhere from 60 minutes to two hours. Could be a little bit less or more, but around one to two hours, there's absolutely no light. So you're deprived of all your senses. It's completely dark. You can't hear anything. It's completely silent. And you can't really feel anything because after a while, since the water is the same temperature as your body, like you don't even really feel the water and you can't really smell anything. So all your senses are deprived for one to two hours. And it's pretty crazy. Like sometimes people will hallucinate in there or have like, you don't really know if you're dreaming or like daydreaming or asleep or not, but it's a really cool way to just disconnect from every, all the overstimulation of the world with cell phones and this and that. And you just get in there and really escape and meditate and you're just there like with your thoughts. So for some people, it's a little scary, but I think it's, I always think it's awesome. You come out just feeling recharged and revitalized, I think. And it's been an area where I've been able to like, just get some really cool ideas while I'm in there floating. Totally. I think the first time I did it, it was a little bit strange, but then the second time I was able to kind of sink into it and, and it's, it's really cool. Yeah. You do have to do it a few times for sure. 
Larry, what book do you find yourself recommending to people most often? Uh, how to win friends and influence people. I know that's probably like a big one that a lot of people recommend, but it's true. Like one, it's it's like one of the biggest books that impacted me, especially when when he talks about like being like a dog, like loving people like a dog. Like that's one of the things that stuck out to me the most because it's like it's so true. Like dogs really don't serve any purpose other than giving you love and they get like all the food taken care of water shelter everything like we take care of them so much and give them everything just because they give us love you know genuine love and, and happiness so it's like man when you can love people like that i mean that'll take you real far you know so that, that was something that stuck out to me i couldn't agree more then last question of the impact round larry what is the best piece of advice related to happiness that you would give our listeners for me, a big one is zero expectations and just being grateful for everything. Like I don't, I don't have any expectations really, which allows me to not be let down, I guess. And, um, just making the most out of everything. Like I try to start every single day in gratitude. So just being grateful for like the smallest little things that you could possibly be grateful for just for me has been able to keep me in a pretty constant state of like happiness and positivity and that whole thing. And just being able to do things that you truly, that truly make you happy and that you truly love and surrounding yourself with the right people. Larry, as you know, here on the show, we have what I call the do well and do good challenge. So this is where I encourage our listeners who do want to give back to contribute to the organizations that are nominated by my guests. Now, obviously you will be nominating International Network of Hearts. So I was wondering just to close out the show if obviously, you know, not using any names or anything like that, if you could share a story of, you know, any child that has especially touched your heart that you've met through your organization. Yeah, shoot. There's so many. But right now I would say one, one of the girls that we first got in, like when we first opened the, the home six years ago, can't use her real name, but let's just call her Maria. So like Maria, we got her six years ago and she just came to us in a very dark, dark, dark time in her life. And she had been through a lot of abuse and was very closed off. We didn't really even want to open up or talk to anybody and didn't really want to be in our home. Didn't really want to have anything to do with any, like kept saying like she didn't even want to live and didn't like, she had gone through some, some serious abuse and a lot of years of that in her life. So in our home, a lot of times it does take kids a little while to obviously these kids have to put up all kinds of walls just to be able to survive what they've been through and get put in this new home. And they don't know if they're going to get abused here. They don't know what the situation is here. So it takes, sometimes it took her about a year of just her seeing how the house was and everything for her to finally start to trust us and open up to us a little bit. She had like no hopes for life, no dreams, nothing like that six years later, as we've been able to work with her and pour all kinds of love and motivation into her, she's turned into an incredible young woman. She's now 21 years old. She's about to graduate from college. She's working for an exporting company and has been like employee of the month already like three times and just has completely, completely transformed. Like you meet this girl, you smile on her face, just the biggest heart. She's and it's just been such an inspiration to see how she was able to just completely change her mindset, completely transform her life. And the bright future that she has ahead of her now is, is pretty incredible. Now she's a mentor to a lot of our kids. She works part-time in our administrative office now. So uh, she's, she's just really, really inspiring all the other kids so that they could become like Maria, you know, if they choose to stick with the program and follow their dreams. And she actually created a, uh, like a cartoon story 
uh, about the way that she was abused and victimized more as a prevention type thing. So we worked with a local university to create it into a cartoon. It was like a, like a little Red Riding Hood and Big Bad Wolf type of animation. It's been cool because we've been able to use that now in schools to get through to kids to allow them to understand like the potentials of what's going on. And she's just become like an amazing leader and an inspiration to so many people around her. So she's been one of the stories that have just been really cool to to be a part of for sure. Wow. 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 I just am absolutely blown away by you, Larry, by the work that you and your family are doing for these children. And it's just absolutely beautiful. So thank you for that. And before we say goodbye, where can our listeners go to learn more about you to learn more about International Network of Hearts and to follow your content? I mean, I'd love to become friends with anybody on Facebook. My name's Larry Tucker on Facebook. And um, my Instagram is at underscore Larry Tucker. And then for International Network of Hearts, our Instagram handle is at I, for International, I Network of Hearts. So it's just I Network of Hearts. Uh, And there we're starting to put out a little bit more content and we can kind of stay connected and involved. We also have a Facebook group that we started called End Human Trafficking with INH. And if you request to join that group, we can approve you. And that's basically like a smaller group of anybody that's wanting to somehow get involved with supporting International Network of Parts through any capacity. And that's like our little community where we post updates about some of the kids, different stories and just different needs and how people can get involved. Thank you. We will link to all of those places in the show notes. Larry, it has been such an honor to have you today. Dorothy, it's been an honor to be here. Thank you so much for putting together such an amazing podcast and for inspiring people to to do well and do good. All right, everyone, that's our show. Now, before I sign off, I want to introduce any new listeners to how the Do Well and Do Good Challenge works. There are two ways that you can participate. The first is if you are looking to do more to give back, I encourage you to contribute to any of the nonprofits nominated by my guests. Send a screenshot of your receipt to challenge at dowellanddogood.co and your donation will be included in our monthly tally of the tangible impact this podcast is having. The second way you can participate is absolutely free and that's by voting. See, in the first couple days of each month, we host a vote inside of our free Facebook community to determine which of the nonprofits nominated the month before that I will then donate a portion of my advertising agency's profits to. It's an awesome way to make your voice heard, and we've been able to raise money for some incredible organizations doing good in the world. So if you'd like to be a part of it, then head over to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook, where you'll find a link to join the group. Once you're inside, I'm also sharing tips, ideas, resources, and more to help you both increase your income and your impact. We're having so much fun inside there. So head over again to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook, and I'll see you on the inside. It means the world to me to earn your time. So thank you so much for listening. 